0: how's everybody? Let me just say, holy cow, I have not been in a church like this in all my life. You do not need me. I'm telling you, this is awesome. And uh, I am so humbled. I'm John, and this is my wife, Melissa, right here. Stand, Melissa, would you? Uh, Next week, next week will be 32 years four kids, and more importantly, one grandbaby, one grandbaby, and if I would have been thinking, I would have put a picture of her on the screen, and we could have gone home, because that's heaven. Um, I am from South Texas, Harlingen, Texas. Anybody from the real Grand Valley? Anybody? Where are you from? No? No? Okay. Anybody? Nobody's from? Okay. Where are y'all from? Far? That's where my mom graduated high school. PSJA, the Bears. <laughs> my wife's from Houston. We met at youth camp when uh, she was a freshman and I was a junior. And then two years later we saw each other again. And then two years later we saw each other at college. And I walked into the room at Southwestern and she was in the middle of the game room. And I walked in with my my two of my good buddies and I said, guys, there's my wife. And, and there she was, and is, and it has been better and better and better each year. And so, Melissa, I love you. And a lot of reasons why hope is what it is is because of Melissa. Okay, um, let me say that I'm humbled uh, to be here. I, uh, I'm not a preacher preacher, so I'm going to try that, okay? So if you help me, I'll be better. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you're pastors, Um, Some of the words I wrote down, humility, integrity, teachability, servant-hearted, vision-oriented. How many would agree with some of those right there? And I am so proud, even though I had nothing to do with what's going on here, um, I'm so proud. And there is an authenticity here at Living Church. So when we came in, Melissa and I drove in, I'm like, I'm seeing a party outside. I'm like, what is going on? You know? I mean, and we we drove by way earlier. We went to go eat, but I wanted to make sure I was here on time. And, you know, so I drove by and watched. And there were people out here at 5.30 in the parking lot. I don't know what they were doing, but they were there. But what I got was there was an anticipation of what God is going to do in my life. And maybe that's why you're here. That maybe God is going to say something to me, maybe God's going to do something in my kids' life. Maybe God's going to do something in my husband's life. We'll look straight ahead. Right? <laughs> maybe maybe he's going to do something in my wife. You know who knows. And I'm glad that you're here and I'm humbled trusting I love you and I'm so proud of you guys, Rachel, of what's going on here. And I just pray that you guys the leaders here, you never lose the definitions of those words. Yeah. Because as your church grows, so can your ego. Right. Yeah. And and can I just say that anything that has happened at hope is is happened in mostly in spite of me. Does it make sense? How many know if you have business or you have a family and the kids turn out great and you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, if you know John, you know that's the story of hope. It's like, how did that happen? Um, I got to say, though, before I move on, um, a big reason why hope exists today is because of a man in this room, uh, Morris Ivy. Where is brother Morris Ivy? Where is he? Did he leave? Where is he at? I want you to stand. Come on, man. Yes, you're going to stand. That that guy right there. I love you, and I am so grateful to God for you. He is a big reason why hope exists today. And I am so grateful for your love, your constant encouragement. No other, uh, I don't know how uh, in the know people are here, but no other district official in the history of hope has ever been to hope except that man. And, and I'm, I'm just so grateful. I love you and I'm grateful for you. All right. Now, the reason I talk about your leaders, though, is not just because they're my friends and, I, you know, we want to honor. And that's what every guest speaker does, right? They come in and say, we love your... Reign. And maybe they do and maybe they don't. Who knows? <laughs> but, but the reason I say those things, and because I do know them, but the reason I say that is because it is so important because they set the standard. They set the bar here. And this church will never rise above their ability to lead. And what I mean by that is not just their giftedness, not just because he can prove, because we know that. There's another inside or internal or a, that nobody sees, and that's called the integrity part. And, and that's the part that um, I just so am, am grateful to watch that in you. Don't lose that. Don't, whatever you do, don't get sidetracked. Don't get sideways. Don't get sideways stay focused on the Lord. And and that's why living church is where it is today. But you're going to have a decision to make tonight. The way I want to approach this is is, uh, not just a word for you personally. In other words, hey, what am I going to come and get tonight? And I hope that you do. I really do. But I really felt like the Lord uh, has something for living church, something for us. And I'm a mission-oriented guy. I love mission statements. Um, And I looked on your website. But before I go into that, uh, here at Hope or up there at Hope, we have uh, four, getting ready to have four campuses. We have two in Frisco, one in McKinney, and, and now in just a few weeks, one in Prosper, Texas. Anybody know those places up there? Yeah. And it's, what's that? That's, is it really? You're from there? Oh, yeah. There you go. So um, our mission is inviting everyone to find Jesus and then helping them move to the center of his purpose for their lives. That's why we exist. We want to invite everyone to find Jesus, and then we want to help them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. I looked on the website, your website, and I, I thought, man, I wonder if their mission is on there. And it is. Good job. Good job here we go here's your mission our mission is to show this is living church our mission is to show the love of Jesus to people who know him and don't know him that's key don't ever forget that no matter who you are listen to this he knows you and he loves you and so do we I I love that I love that There's there's so many things that we've done wrong at Hope. You know, you make mistakes in leadership, and I've made so many, and we as a church have made so many. We've hurt people. You know, one of the taglines besides our mission is come to Hope and get hurt, right? Because how many have ever been to a church and you've been hurt, right? Because there's people. And maybe you're here tonight, and you have been hurt some way, somehow, and you're laying low because of that. And just, just know Man, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're watching online, like I did last night, I peeked in and watched. Awesome. Man, you guys were on fire. Ben was on fire. That was awesome. But you may be here tonight, and wherever you are and whoever you are, I just want you to know that I'm just asking you to open your heart. Open your heart for what God wants to say to you, and open your heart to what God wants to say to you as a church. I want to talk about... The grace has been talked about and laid the foundation last night. The grace that he saved us from, or the grace that saves us from, and the grace that saves us for, right? Well, I want, I want to ans- answer this question tonight, and that's this. What has God graced living church for? Now, maybe you came here, and maybe this church was birthed from something. Maybe from another church, not a bad thing, but from from another church. Ours was birthed out of a church in Nashville, and they're the reason why we're here in, in this area. But this church birthed from something, but for. Now, what is living church for? And there's two things, two things that I want to talk about tonight. Number one is, what does God want living church to see? And number two, what does God want living church to do? What does God want living church to see? And what does God want Living Church to do? Now, when Pastor came up here after the worship, I almost took his Bible from him because I knew where he was going to 2 Kings. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going to 2 Kings. <laughs> Chapter 6. I couldn't believe it. I looked at Tim and I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? But I really do believe this, God. I, mean, I couldn't help it. When they started singing, I, I, I looked at Melissa. Will you start singing that, that Surrounded song? Uh, I've never heard that song. And, and I was like, I'm talking about that tonight. How cool. And that was like, as a, as a, as a teacher or pastor, that's kind of like a confirmation. You're like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be here, right? <laughs> and then when pastor came up and read that scripture, I was like, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is the world? But I want to answer this question: What does God want living church to see? Let's go. 2 Kings, chapter six. When the king of so this is the backstory, and I'll read just whole of it, all of it real quick. When the king of uh, Aram was at war with Israel, he would corner his uh, his officers and say, "We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place." But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. So they're in another place, and, and, and the other king over here, Aram, was, was going to say, hey, we're going to attack them here. And then Elisha would tell the Israel people, and then he would say, hey, don't go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. Next scripture. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is a traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in privacy of your bedroom. That's kind of weird. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant—this is—I know we just read this, but let's stay with me. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Now I want you to—I want you to picture this as, as not just you going out or, or Elisha's servant. But I want you to picture this as a living church. Okay. Oh, sir, what will, what are we going to do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. My question is, what does God want living church to see? He wants you to know, he wants you to see that there is more than you can see. He wants you to see that there is more going on in your family. There's more going on in your business. There's more going on in the church. And listen, there's more going on in this city than you can see. What may seem insurmountable to you and what may in the physical, and that's not that we don't understand that there's a reality of what goes on in the the difficulty. And the, and the tragedies and, and, and the, the hardships that go on in our lives, that's real. But the servant's eyes couldn't see yet. And there's a spiritual realm that is more real than the physical realm. And when it comes to living church and, and how we see what's going on around us, you've got to be able to see it in spiritual eyes rather than just physical eyes. You've got to come to church, not just because of what you can get, but because of what you can see God doing, not just for you, but this city. Jesus, Jesus said it like this. He said, he, said, uh, he said it this way. He said it, no, there we go. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So, you've got you've to open up your eyes. And, and I know it's so, it's so difficult sometimes because we get so centered on ourselves, and that's not necessarily a selfish thing. There's times in which you have things going on, right? That, that you're just consumed. There are times in my life, our, our children were going through some, our, two of our girls were going through some um, difficulty in, in pregnancies, and they lost, one of our girls lost four babies, and, and one of our, the oldest lost two, and we were just, you know, that just consumes you, right? As a parent, you're just consumed, and that's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with being consumed with what you're going, what's going on, and it's real, and it, and it hurts, and, and you want to fix it, but, but there is a bigger picture that I feel like the Lord wants living church to come to, and there are different eyes that he, he wants you to see with. And it's not that you're not important. And it's not that your family's not important. And it's not that your, your deal is, is important. But there's something bigger. And Jesus says, look, open your eyes and see that Mansfield. What's the population of Mansfield? 80,000. What's going to be in 10 years? Do you know? Over 100,000. How many of these people, just in Mansfield, and I know you're close to a lot of cities around you, just in Mansfield, how many do you, what's the percentage of people that go to church? Is it less than 50%? Okay, good. I was going to say, wow, because Frisco's less than, I'm sure it's less than 10, because I drive around and, you know, anyway. There's a lot of cars in the driveway. See, have you ever looked at one of those pictures on Facebook or, or uh, just in a, in a, in a card, and, and there's a hidden picture in there? Yeah. And, and there's some people that can see it immediately, and they're just like, oh, yeah, I see. And then some people are like, man, I don't see a fan. I don't see it. There's some churches like that. It's not that they're bad churches. It's just, it's just they don't see what God wants them to see, and so they will never receive right what God wants them to receive, because they don't see it. They don't see it. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that they don't love the Lord. They're operating in the physical only, not not the spiritual. And and, and there's a both and. It's not either or, it's both and. And I think that uh, the potential in this house, I knew there was, Okay, I knew there was after talking to a pastor for I don't know how many times. But I was like, man, there's something going on there. You know what I'm saying? From afar. I knew that there was something going on. I knew that this was great. I had no idea this was going on. I had no idea on a, is it Tuesday? Is it Tuesday? That this many people, I have a large church. I don't know that this many people would show up on a Tuesday night. We need revival. Would you pray for us? We need <laughs> revival. I'm not. I'm just being serious. <laughs> we, need, we need you to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is potential. And what I wanted us to get out of this scripture in 2 Kings is, is not just, because I think we know that God is with us because we know this passage, most of us. So we know that God is with us. And we know that even if you forget that, when somebody reminds you, you go, oh, I know, I know he's there, I know he's there. But I want you to know this, that even though he is there, the guy, the, the servant couldn't see it. He couldn't see it, and and, and if you don't see it, it doesn't matter what's around you. There is a whole city here that Jesus said, not John, not the census or the demographic studies of the city, but Jesus said, look around, open your eyes, and the harvest is ripe, but if you don't see it, you'll be a nice church. So when hope started growing, we started. Listen, we started in a in a little daycare center in Frisco. Moved to the moved to the city in December of ninety nine. Um, December eighteenth is that right? Eighteenth um, of ninety nine, and we started the church three weeks later. Didn't know one soul in Frisco. So so when, when I when I say that. When I say to somebody starting a church, don't do what we did, I am very serious, okay? Because that's not how you start a church. But we didn't know any better. We didn't go to any boot camp until after we started. And then, then I went to boot camp, and I was like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're no good, okay? <laughs> we're no good. And I had a friend. I had a friend. He's an accountant. Morris, Brother Morris, you know him. But he came and visited that first Sunday, and he went back and told my pastor, Pastor J. Don George, at Calvary, uh, where Ben, where Ben is the pastor now, um, I was there in the 90, uh, late '80s and, and early '90s as the youth pastor, and he went back and told my pastor that church ain't gonna make it. <laughs> well, guess what? We made it, you know. So. So, but anything I say, so when I, so when I talk about hope, I'm, I'm very self-conscious about this. When I talk about hope or the growth, I just want you to understand I'm only doing it not because I need to do it, because you know, because I'm trying to make myself look good. I'm just doing it to, to, help, to help you see where you can go. That's the only reason. And we, when we started to grow, can I just tell you, not everybody could see it. And there were, tr- there, was, there were many people who were folded hands and going like, man, I liked it the way it used to be. I, liked it, I like hope the way it used to be when John took me to lunch every week. There, there's, and that's not necessarily bad. It's just that they, they like it, us four, and no more. Right? I mean, that kind of spirit that it says, it's getting too big. And we went to two services. How many services do you all have? Okay, four. Okay. So when we went to two, it was like, what? We're going to another service? I won't see my friends. I mean, it was a, and I know you guys never did that because you're more <laughs> spiritual than our church. But man, it was hard. And I want to put some things on the screen like this. This is what you're going to have to see. You're going to have to do this. Ready? Abracadabra. Okay, living... <laughs> Living church's calling must override living church's convenience, okay? Because, listen, let me tell you something. Reaching people, and I'm not talking about growth, okay? Growth is God's deal, okay? So we can't, I, I, can't even, I can't make stuff happen uh, through growth. That's God's deal. But when you reach people, it is messy, and it is inconvenient, and you have to park somewhere else. Right. Yeah. We have to park at the high school two mi- a mile and a half, whatever it is, away. And bus people to our parking lot because our parking lot not big enough. Can I just tell you, that's inconvenient. Right. 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 But we, have, we ask our volunteers and our, and our team leaders, we ask them to do that on, most, on certain, certain seasons of time. And it's not easy. It is not convenient. It is, we used to do five services, and so when you get five, then you're a real man, right? Then you're a real pastor, okay? So, so hold on. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I'm glad I don't do five anymore. Holy cow. But let me, can I just tell you, five services on the weekend is, is not convenient, And mostly for me, I say mostly. I shouldn't say that because our volunteers and our team—everybody gets tired. You're in four services on a Saturday. Are they back to back? Oh my lord! I would. I'd rather no. Only on Easter. Only on Easter. Hey, you be quiet. (laughs) This guy's beard, man. He looks tough. You know. Let's stay away. But your calling here at Living Church, if you see it, is going to have to override your convenience. Living Church, your mission, your mission must override Living Church's mess. And what I mean by mess is you're not going to be perfect, and your leaders aren't going to be perfect. Just because I said they set the bar high, it doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't, mean they're per- it doesn't mean you're perfect. How many know you're not perfect? How many know you're a mess? Some of us. I, you know, I, I would dare say all of us. I'm more of a mess probably than you are, but we're a mess. But you, this is, your, your mission is going to have to override the messes of some of the marriages that are going to come into this place, some of the teenagers that are going to come into this place. And your mission is going to have to override any mess that comes in that you feel uncomfortable with. That's just the way it is. And if you see it, the Lord is going to give you harvest. But if you don't see it, you'll be a nice church. Living church's heart, the next one on the screen, the the living church's heart must override living church's heavy load. Okay, notice that I used H and H, and then on the other one I used, you (laughs) know, it took me a while to figure it out, right? (laughs) And then this is kind of like convenience, but there is a heavy load. There's a heavy weight that comes with reaching people and reaching a city. And what if you go past Mansfield? What if you start a campus in Arlington or Grand Prairie or whatever towns are around here? Burleson? Is that right? Yeah. What if, you, what if God calls you to do that? I'm not saying he's going to, but what if he does? Your heart has to be bigger than the heavy load there's a financial load to this. There's a, a leadership load to this. And, and my whole point is, is you've, you've just got to want to see it. But know this when you see it. Put it on the screen. What you see is not always easy. And if you're not willing to see, you're not going to see the harvest. So you're not if you if you if you're not willing to see you're not going to see the harvest. If you're not willing to sacrifice you're not going to get the reward. And if you're not willing to grow you won't. There's no doubt about it. So, um, so somebody people ask when I have lunch with pastors or church planters or whatever, and they say, "Hey, tell us the secret sauce of hope." And besides my teaching, I no I say, I don't say that. <laughs> that was a joke. But there is a secret, and this is what I believe one of the bigger secrets is. Our mission is inviting everyone to find Jesus. Okay, we're not trying to build a church of other people from other churches. We're trying to reach people who've been disconnected. That's harder, that's easier said than done, okay, so I know that. Because we have a ton of people that came from other churches. And I'm glad most of them did. <laughs> Some of them I'd like send back, but you don't always get to choose. But one of, the, one of the secret sauces of hope are these things right here. And, and I forgot the most important one. The first one we ever did was a, was a little coffee cup when we were expanding our first building. We had a tiny little building, and, and uh, we needed more space, and so we're expanding. And, and, and we had a little coffee, like Starbucks uh, coffee cups, and we put dirt the dirt from the ground inside of it. And it had to put a lid on it, and then it had names of people that we were praying for far from God that we wanted to invite to hope. And I can tell you, and I'm not lying or exaggerating, every name on my coffee cup except one is in our church today. Yeah. Is in our church today. So. So with a coffee cup, and I had everybody do this, right? We gave everybody a coffee cup, and, and, and I'm not, I don't have all of them here, but every once in a while, once, or once every year, or, and once every two years, I give them something else. The next one was a domino, and I just said, hey, I want you to put people's names on the domino that are far from God that you're praying for, and you're going to invite to hope. I want you to write their name on it. Every time you see that domino, I want you to keep, I want you to keep praying. And then we gave them uh, a, uh, well, I don't, know whether, I don't remember the order here, but we gave them a, a little, uh, we were doing some, oh, opening our first campus. And so we were remodeling an Albertsons that we bought. And, and so this is the paint stick thing. So there's kind of a, you know, hopefully it makes sense. And, and I said, okay, write the names of people that you're praying for far from God. On that paint stick. And then uh, we just did a, a message on, on uh, our neighbor, the art of neighboring. And, and I said, hey, put the n- initials of, of names your people, you're, you're praying for, for people far from God. And then we were doing our, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, what is this? Um, I don't remember what this is, but it's a stake in the ground. Oh, this is our, fir- our, our expansion of our building. Um, that, then there was a, a tree ring we were doing a growth series on spiritual growth. And I can I can tell you this: that growth is not about knowledge, it is about your love for people. That's spiritual maturity. When you not just because you know a bunch of things about the Bible, although that's great. We talked about growth and we said, hey, put put the, the names or initials of people far from God. And then this was something, I don't remember what this was, some growth thing. And and I said, put put the this is a brick, so we were building something. I don't remember. And, and I just said, and I know this is like, what are you doing? This is the secret sauce. Training our people to see the harvest. Yeah. Training our people to pray. Training our people to pray for neighbors and coworkers and when we see, Randy and Laverne, when we see our neighbors down the street who our girls were best friends and they grew up together, and we knew that they had some church background, but they were pretty far away. And the Lord did incredible things in their lives. And they're at, they're at church almost every Saturday. We have a Saturday night service. Every Saturday night, because we, it's on the, they're on the coffee cup, but the, because we prayed for them. And I'm not trying to glorify I me. Mean, I, I'm saying that, these are things in which you begin to see differently when you think and pray for people far from God. And that's what the Lord wants you to see, living church he wants you to know that he has more for you, and I'm talking about money or buildings even. I'm talking about reaching people far from God. Because, let me put it on the screen, because people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. They do. And, and, and it's going to be different and it's, and it's going to be inconvenient and it's going to be load and there's going to be all kinds of things that you feel and you're, just, you're like, oh, well, pastor's not as, you know, he's not as close to me as he used to be and you've got to get pushed, you've got to push past that. Yeah. And you've got, if you want to see what God wants you to see and if you want living church to be what God wants it to be, you're going to have to open your eyes for the harvest and you're going to have to reach out. That's the secret sauce of hope. People inviting. Number one reason why people come to Hope is not because we advertise. Not because we have a great website. Not because we have great buildings or whatever. The number one reason people come to Hope is because somebody invites them. Yeah. Okay. You got to see it, though. You got to see it. Okay, so the, so, the, so the second thing. Second thing. Is what does, what does God want Living Church to do? How much time do I have? About 10 minutes? Okay. As long as I want. Yeah. <laughs> People are going, what? <laughs> <laughs> Husbands are looking at their wives. <laughs> I'll be quick. I'll be quick. What does God want Living Church to do? Okay, so hopefully you've, got, you've painted the picture a little bit so you know what God wants you to see. He wants you to see the harvest. He wants you to see bigger. He wants you to see... When I say bigger, I, don't, I, I, I shouldn't have used that word. He, just, he wants you to see beyond the physical and beyond just what you see now. And and to, I know you have land, and, and you're getting ready to build. So I don't know what you're even building. I can't remember, but yeah, probably a building. <laughs> probably a building, right? And let me just tell you something. People will leave because you're raising money. They have? Okay, yeah, good. They will. Nobody's ever left ours, but I know that... Uh, This is a true story. I wasn't going to say this, but this is a true story. Two, two and a half years ago, we were doing the biggest thing. We were, we were building a, a, a pretty big building for, at our home, our, and I say our home campus, but our original campus, and I in and one month, and this is, I'm not lying or exaggerating, 2,000 people were gone because I was raising money. Now, that was one of the mistakes I made that I talked about earlier. I, we did it all wrong, and it was just terrible, terrible, so I hope you're doing it right because... <laughs> Because it was really painful. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> About 900 to 1,000 came back, so I want to be fair. But they didn't like the, the raising money. Guys, you got to get past that. You got to get past that. That's the inconvenience, that's the heavy load. If you want to be who God wants you to be, living church, if you want to see and if you want to be, then you're going to you're gonna have to push past the pain. Okay, number two. What does God want Living Church to do? Matthew chapter 25. i got a great story with this, okay? Matthew chapter 25. The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus, can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more, doubled it. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and and hid the master's money. The master was full of praise. Well done. Something happened there. We We missed something. But the master came back. And, and he called his servants in to give an account, and he talked to the first one, and he says, hey, what'd you do? And the guy says he doubled it. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant, so that's the two, and then the five did the same thing. Okay, so that's that. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, the ma- you. I, was, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the, listen to this, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the bags of silver, with the 10 bags of silver. To those who, listen, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. What what does God want you to do? He wants you to steward what he's entrusted to you. And he has placed this church nine years ago in this city. And who knows where it will go from here. But he has entrusted you to this city. He has entrusted you to reach the people that matter to him. And what he wants you to do is be a good steward of that. There's three things underneath this. The first one is this. Everyone has been given something. And you may be sitting here personally going, you know, you're looking around and you got these worship, I meant to say this, man, I'm so glad I thought of this, worship team. Holy cow. Where did they come from? Wow. Unbelievable. There you are. Unbelievable. Who are you guys? Unbelievable. But you look at people like that and they're up here, I mean, they're, if you've been around other churches, you know they're good. But you say, man, I don't do that, and I don't lead, and I don't talk, and I don't really do anything. You look at yourself, and you just kind of go, I don't really have that much to offer. He's given everyone something. Everyone something. Matthew 25, it says this. He says, the next verse, one, there's one verse in here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He, see, he called the servants together, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone, right? When we started Hope, we had no idea what Frisco was going to become. You, you know about Frisco, right? Okay, so when we moved there, there were 24,000 people in Frisco, Texas. And to, to be honest, Pastor, Pastor Morris knows this. We didn't want to go to Frisco We wanted to go to McKinney. In fact, we had gone to McKinney and Melissa and I drove in. We had four places around the country that we're looking at North, uh, uh, the Woodlands, San Antonio, Austin, and Henderson, Nevada. Melissa said no to that one. Didn't matter what God said. She said, no, we're not going to Nevada. And then my pastor came in in Nashville. My pastor came in and said, hey, there's one more place I want you to check out. I said, where's that? McKinney. Now, I was here in the 80s, 84 to 90. And McKinney was, I mean, it was in ranch land. And I was offended, excuse me, sorry. (laughs) I was offended that he was like, you would say, go to McKinney. Because I was like, man, I want to go where there's people, (laughs) right? Not just cows. But we drove there, and we were like, holy cow. No, no, no t- pun intended there. <laughs> we didn't even see a cow, I don't think. But we said, man, this is where we're supposed to be. Let's, let's, let's plant right here. Long story short, the little committee that was in that, that area said no. Can you believe that? To me. They said no to me. <laughs> right? And I'll never forget when I got that call from the from the presbyter, and he said, "John, the committee voted, and they said no." And man, there was a voice, in, there was a voice in my head that said, "I don't care what they say." God called me to you know uh, you know the power up thing. There was thank the Lord. There was a larger voice that said, "Shut up." I'm in this. Listen. I truly believe this. We could have missed God by five miles. Amen. Could have missed God by five miles. So that's how we ended up in Frisco. We had no idea the growth. Frisco is now pushing two hundred thousand people. It's crazy traffic. Holy cow! Christ. The inconvenience part, as Mansfield grows, and those of you who've been here a while, you know it's inconvenient. It's like, we're who, who hoodoo's people. <laughs> then you go back to where they came from. That's not a political statement. I shouldn't have said that. But you know how it is. That, I promise I promised that was not... Sorry. I, okay. All right. I, that was not anything related to that. Now, what was I saying now? Uh, the growth of Frisco... <laughs> And now we're in McKinney, and we didn't have to get permission for that one, you know. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen. No idea. I was just wanted to be faithful and say, God, I believe that you can do this. But it didn't always look like that. It, now we look at, you know, you look at other churches, whatever church you like, or, or, you know, pastor that you like, and you really admire them, and you go, man, must be nice, sometimes, and then sometimes not. But it didn't start like that. It didn't start. We had no idea what God would do. I just knew that he called us to reach people. And we were going to be obedient to that. And we were going to be good stewards of what he had given us. Now, the second point under this, the second point is, is this. Not everyone has been given the same amount one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. You ever look to somebody else, another family maybe, and you just go, man, they just got it all together. They got the job, they got the new boat or the, you know, the new motorcycle. I ride a Harley, so if anybody has a motorcycle, I'm like, I need a new one, right? Because you compare. So the, the first weekend of Hope Fellowship, we knew nobody in the, in the whole city. All we when you did no advertising. We put up a banner in front of a daycare center and said, Hope Fellowship this Sunday, 10 o'clock a.m. And we had 51 people that showed up. 51 people. Now that was supposed to be a downer, but you guys are so revival oriented. You're like, 51 people? That's awesome. Well, it wasn't awesome. It was like we were God's gift to Frisco. I'm serious. So 51, but but it was okay. So so anyway, we had 51, so three churches started the same day in Frisco, same day. And I wish I could tell you that I was excited for them, right? But man, I was like, what, another church is starting? Then I found out there were two and I was like mad at God, I was like, see, I wanted to go to McKinney, not Frisco. It was crazy. I knew one of the other guys that was starting. Okay? I knew him. And I knew him, you know, fairly well. He had come to our church in Nashville to speak a couple times. And so I knew him. And, uh, and, and, and he, he had a good following and, and so forth. So the, he, they, we all started the same day. The second week, he came by where we were setting up. Is that me? He came by where we were setting up. And he swung in and he said, hey, John. How'd your first week go? How'd your first Sunday go? And I was like, man, it was great. How many did you have? And I said, 51. Oh, good. Praise the Lord. How well was your offering? $3,000. Can I just tell you, 51 people? And no, 51 people, that's including kids, okay? Including kids. And anybody pregnant that we, <laughs> pound, we counted it. It's like, let's count them. Yeah. And, and I said, and, and I said, well, how did it go for you? How, how many do you guys have? He goes, we had 878. <laughs> exactly. You know how I felt, right? I was I was just on the outside, praise God. On the inside, I wanted to hit him. And he was big, right? And so I didn't hit him. And I said, Oh, praise God. Praise God! That's awesome, man. It was a good offering? Yeah, over a hundred thousand. And I, yeah, I, was, I said, "Wonderful." I'll see you. See, I got to go back to work. For the forty that would come back the next week. Here's the deal. It's not up to you what God. In, it's not up to you what God entrusts to you. It's up to you to double what God entrusts to you. Now listen, the reason I love to teach on this passage is because this is where God took me that week after he told me what he had. And I was, I wish I could tell you that I was more mature. I wish I could tell you that it didn't phase me. It was like, oh, that's great. Blessing. God, you know, God. I felt like it was my city. It's my city. God, why is he here? If you're gonna give him the city, I want to go to McKinney. I mean, I kept going back to that. He took me to this passage. And this is what he, he, into my spirit, it wasn't audible. He said, it's just not up to you what you've been given. John, I just want you to double what you've been given. And so if you look at me and you look at hope and you go, man, we just want to be like that. Or if you look at some other church and you say, I want to be like that. You're looking at the wrong thing. God gives something to everyone. But he doesn't give everyone the same amount. You can't compare yourself to other churches and other things going on. All you need to do is be faithful to double what God has given you right here. And the third thing, everyone will be held accountable. He brought him in. And here's, I, I, I'm not trying to be too dramatic or, or like too hard, but living church, it's gonna be up to you to make the decision whether you're gonna open your eyes and you're going to, to be a good steward. Are you gonna see the city the way God sees this city? Or are you gonna see the city or the church the way you want it? Are you going to be a good steward with everything that he's given you? No matter what happens and in the, in the challenges that are there, the financial challenges, the load challenges, the inconvenience, and are you going to be a good steward to double what he's, been, what he's given you? Because when we stand before him, and I'm not sure if this is the way it goes. I know individually we'll stand before the, the judgment seat of Christ, but I I don't know. I kind of think maybe he'll he'll put Living Church up there. He said, everybody that went to Living Church, come here. Come on, I want you to stand right here. And here's what I want you to say. We did everything we could to love and serve our city. When you stand before the Lord, I want you to be able to say, then Lord, we did everything we possibly could to reach people far from you. We were not lazy. We didn't give up when it got inconvenient. We didn't leave when he asked for money. But we just said, God, what do you see? And help us to see that. God, what do you want us to do? And help us to do that. And Living Church, there will be no there will be no lid to this thing if you can see the way God sees and if you will be obedient to me to do what God's called you to do. There'll be no lid. But if you have a decision to make tonight, will you open your eyes and will you see what God wants you to see? And will you do what God wants you to do? Lord, Lord, I pray over this church. Not as some kind of, uh, you know, weird man of God that that seems to have some connection to what happens here, but I love this place now. And I pray over my friends. I pray over Tristan and Rachel. I pray over their team, Whitney and the team that 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 serves, that I don't even know their names. I pray that, Lord, you would encourage them when discouragement surrounds them. I pray that they would be able to see with eyes that Elisha saw with, not the servant. And, Lord, I pray for this house that we would not just be about us, but we would be about what you see for this city and the surrounding areas. And that we would do everything in our power to love the people and to serve this city and to reach people far from you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done right here at Living Church, right here on earth, right here in Mansfield, right here in the surrounding areas as it is in heaven. And I pray it in Jesus' name. So I just want to say before I step down, two things. First is I, I, I've talked to church people tonight, and I know that. So if you're a believer, I mean, whether you liked it or not, I mean, you know, I was talking to you in this church. But maybe you're here tonight, and you're far from God. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're a husband, a, a wife. You're you're here and and there's a distance between you and God. And you're the whole reason we do what we do here. We pray and we have SummerSlam. Okay, yeah, SummerSlam. Sounds like Denny's, you know, a a SummerSlam breakfast. Right? I love it. I love it. But this is the whole reason that, that we do this, and the whole reason we have weekend services, and the whole reason we have student ministry and children's ministry, and, and you know whatever else we, they do here, is, is because we have you in mind. And if you're here today, you're far from God, and you need to come home. Maybe you got hurt at church. Maybe you got hurt as a kid, and somebody somebody hurt you in church, and you, because of that. you've you've disengaged with your faith. I want you to bow your heads just real quick. And I want to pray for you. If you're here tonight and you need to accept Jesus, maybe for the first time, or you need to come home, would you just raise your hand and say, John, would you pray for me? Because that's me and I want to come home tonight. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yes. Anybody else? You say, John, pray for me. I, I need to come home. Yeah, Thank you, guys. Thank you, yeah. Lord, I pray for my friends that for whatever reason have felt on the outside looking in. God, you know what's going on. You, you know what they're going through and you know why they've left or why they've distanced themselves. But now tonight, for whatever reason, you, you, you had me here. I just want to, I just want them to know how much you love them, and you're not mad at them, but like the father who waited for the prodigal, you run, and so tonight, Lord, those who have accepting Jesus for the first time, we just confess our sin, we ask you to forgive us of our sin, and we believe, we confess with our mouth that we believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are who you say you are. And for those of us coming home, rededicating our lives, God, may tonight be the start of something totally brand new. And I pray that, that, that God, their dedication would never waver from this night on. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in this place and what you've done in the hearts of those coming home tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you give God a praise for that more than anything? So, so, uh, uh, you can sit down just real quick before we leave. I know as a pastor doing, doing, uh, what we're doing on the land and, and, bulldozing and stuff like that. And I talked to pastor before, so this, I'm not making this up. I mean, I mean like, you know, pretending like I'm doing this off the cuff, but I felt like, you know, it'd be great for us to, I, Melissa and I have our gift ready to, to sow into living church. There's, there's tractors and all that stuff going on, but I know what that's like. We just finished a, a $19 million deal. Holy cow. And it is, uh, it's, it's, it's part of the inconvenience, but when you get to the other side, listen to me, Living Church, when you get to the other side, I can tell you that everything we did was worth it. Because the lives, we do recovery ministry called Regeneration. And we do a marriage ministry called Reengage, and it's every week, every single week. And the the people that are coming to Jesus through those two ministries is unbelievable. My wife, hey, it's good to see you guys. My wife uh, serves in the Reengage ministry. She serves food to all the leaders every single week, and it is unbelievable. And what now we have space for it, now we have the room to do it. What I'm saying is. Right now, it's inconvenient. Right now, you're all packed, and it, and it, you're in four services. And I pray that when you get to that new place, you're going to have four services. And, and you might just have to go to another evening or something, you know. <laughs> or you can do what we do, just start other services so I don't have to do more. <laughs> start other campuses, I mean. So whatever, God has you do. But let's, let's can we get our gift ready? The ushers. I don't know if they're available or not, but, but trust me, would you come up here, Pastor? And, and I want to pray over you and, and pray over what's getting ready to happen because we're in, how many months in this campaign are we? About 12 months in. About 12 months in. Yeah. And, and I know summertime, I know at Hope, summertime goes like this because you guys are traveling and on vacation and it costs a lot of money. I'm just going to pray that uh, you need uh, whatever it is that God, that God that you need, that God will deliver uh, each day your daily bread for this church. Could you pray with me as we get ready to give? Lord, I thank you for this man. I thank you for my friend and, 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 and the pressure, the, the constant daily grind of what we do and, and everybody has their own grind. I mean, I know that. we're no, nothing special. But at the end of the day, the spiritual leadership of this house is significant. And and the vision that you have given them is significant. And there is a weight and a load and an inconvenience and a work and all those things that come with it. God, I pray that you would, as he comes to you, you would lighten the burden. You would trade the heavy load for what you give, which is light. And I pray for the team, that they would have a joy about this construction. They'd have a joy writing checks to engineers and to architects and whatever. Pray that there would be, and and, and, and on that, I pray that the money would be there. That the availability of the money would never be an issue. It would be space. It's not big enough. I pray that's the issue. And I know that's a hard prayer, but pray that that's the only issue they have. And so, Lord, bless this offering. Let it further your kingdom. And and this house, I pray that we would see the way you see. And I pray that we would do what you want us to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray.